Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Hey everybody, it's day 58 of our 90 day challenge and the topic for today is stop begging people to like you. We are in the book of Mark. Mark the sixth chapter, the first through the 13th verse says this. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And that ends our reading for today. Our worship thought is stop begging people to like you. I don't know who is responsible for creating our high school curriculum in America, but I am convinced something needs to change. I spent all those years learning how to add and subtract, multiply and divide. And now a calculator fixes that problem. I spent all those years in biology and chemistry, learning the periodic table and all I left high school remembering is H2O. The Pythagorean theorem has not helped me in any way. Why did they drag us to the library to look up information from encyclopedias that nobody reads anymore? Saints, I have questions. All of us know what it is like to spend our time learning useless information. And the truth is, while we were learning all of that, we could have been learning something more valuable. For instance, nobody bothered to teach us how to balance a checkbook. Nobody bothered to add financial literacy to the equation. So most of us ended up diving into debt, using refund checks in college like a tax return. And some of us are still trying to learn how to create a budget. 
So what does this have to do with our worship thought today? I'm so glad you asked. Like high school, most Christians are taught in church how to pray, praise, love, serve, and give. However, we seem to have overlooked a crucial area that is equally as important yet underemphasized, and that area is relationship management. Consequently, we have raised up a people who can get along with God, but no one else. In his book, Relational Intelligence, Darius Daniels defines relational intelligence as the ability to define and align our relationships. And I don't know how many times I can emphasize this, but your vertical relationship with God is often measured, proven and tested by your horizontal relationships with others. When we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, we learn what it truly means to worship God in spirit and in truth. Here again, the words of Jesus in Mark 6. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. What we learn from Jesus is that some people will never embrace who you are, but that does not mean you should condescend your calling at the expense of their approval. Some people will never see you as Christ because they keep relegating you to a carpenter. To those who do not see you as you are, Jesus gives us permission to shake the dust and go heal elsewhere. Mark 6:11 confirms this truth when it says, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. Please understand the timing of this moment. The disciples are finishing their theological residency on earth. They have been working with Jesus for three years and Jesus is now preparing them for field education. In other words, he's getting ready to send them out into certain villages to do ministry. When Jesus sends the disciples out two by two, he tells them how to handle the relationships they will encounter along the way. He tells them what to do if the people they meet don't recognize their value. Quite simply, shake the dust off. In other words, Stop begging people to like you. Stop begging people who do not value themselves to value you. Stop asking splintered feet for water walking advice. Stop letting their first impression of you keep you in a space and place where you have to always explain yourself. Some people will never honor you. Some people will never affirm you. Some people will never thank you, but God sees you. And in this season, God is challenging us to shake the dust off of our familiar, comfortable spaces and trust him to do more with us outside of our comfort zone than we can even imagine or perceive. The expression shake the dust off is a symbol of not taking the residue of rejection from one season into the other. Shaking the dust off is a metaphor for not taking the residue of betrayal from one relationship into another. Shaking the dust off is Christ's encouragement to try the spirit by the spirit and experiment before you make someone a permanent resident. 
In other words, inspect the fruit of the relationship. Don't rush to marry it while it is in seed form. Remember this, assignments and relationships must be open to receive from you in order for you to add value to them. If they are not open, they are closed. <laughs> what a revelation. If they are not open, they are closed and anything closed is not available. So shake the dust. If they are resistant, shake the dust. Why? Because you can't get to who needs you if you are distracted by who tolerates you. So shake the dust. Sometimes you have to accept that some will water and some will plant. And this is not your season to do either for that particular person. So instead of trying to force feed them, surrender them to the Lord and watch God send someone who will minister to the very thing you tried to help them with. You know, I love parables. So maybe if I insert this story into this worship thought, it will make my point clearer. In kindergarten, I needed a teacher who would introduce me to colors and numbers. In middle school, I needed a librarian who would expose me to books and encyclopedias. In college, I needed a professor who would provide the foundation for my major. In grad school, I needed a specialist who would challenge everything I thought I knew in order to help me find my voice and calling. My kindergarten teacher was necessary for a season, but eventually I outgrew her. I needed something more. I valued her contribution, but if I stayed in kindergarten out of loyalty or love, I would have stunted my own growth and compromised my purpose. Many of us feel guilty because like our favorite shirt worn pre puberty, we have outgrown certain situations. Our loyalty has become a liability because we don't know how to graduate from one experience to the next without confrontation. But just because they are no longer compatible with you doesn't mean they have never been valuable to you. At the same time, you can no longer settle for an expired situation. At the same time, you can no longer dim your light simply because the people you love don't want to grow. They are giving you what you used to need, but they forgot to hit the refresh button. And maybe you need someone from the outside to tell you an inside truth. You, my friend, are not the person they met in college. You are no longer the insecure individual who used to depend on people for value and validation. You are wiser. You are stronger. You are resourceful. You are anointed. Everything in your life has graduated except the relationships you refuse to let go of. God says, it's time to cut the cord. Your future depends on it. You are a gallon-sized cup of love looking for pint-sized people to fill you up. Recalibrate your poor and find people who match your capacity. Find people who are not intimidated by your gift. Find people who will celebrate you and not tolerate you. And I'm not saying cancel culture because you think you're better. I'm saying start praying for reciprocity in your relationships. So as we close, here are five types of individuals we need to surrender to God so that he can help them better than you can. Now, I completely stole this from Darius Daniels book, but it's OK. I believe this. The first time I preach it, it's yours. But the second and third time I preach it, it's mine. In fact, God told me while I was on the Isle of Patmos. <laughs> Listen to this. Dr. Daniels says this, and I believe it's true. First, we cannot help people who don't think they need it. 
In other words, you can't convince someone to take medicine if they don't believe they're sick. Secondly, we cannot help people who know they need it and don't want it. Remember the man in John 5 whom Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? He asked that question, I believe, to teach us that you can give people many things, but one thing you cannot give them is a want to. The people you love must want it for themselves, and there is no way to transplant your wants onto their needs. Thirdly, we cannot help people who don't want it yet. The reality is some people are not ready. And it is not our job to force feed them. It is our job to trust God and pray for them until they are ready to face it. Fourthly, we cannot help people who don't want it from you. Have you ever given your child advice or your spouse advice and they didn't want to receive it, but then your child heard the 90 day challenge and they are walking around the house quoting me on something you've been trying to get them to see for the last year. Listen, Don't get upset that their change didn't come through you. Just be grateful that change is here. And finally, we cannot help people who aren't willing to do what it takes to get what they need. In other words, you are not responsible for their work. Let them do their own work and you focus on doing yours. And the God who sees and the God who hears and the God who knows is faithful and just to bring cleansing, clarity, and conviction to the hard-headed and the hard-hearted. Today, trust God to make all things better. So what is your worship work? Look for those who love you. Determine to only be around people who want to be around you. Ask God for the wisdom to shake the dust and cling to your calling, not your comfort. I want you to be better. I used to be so broken, lost, empty A heart with no beat A singer with no song to sing So I know the feeling The silence is deafening But in your pain life a sweet and sour victory So keep walking, walking, walking Though it seems so far No matter who you are See there's one thing that I know Life it can leave you so
the day 
Too much power for 